Welcome, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Law of Self-Defense. Apologies for the slight delay in getting started, just a couple of minutes. But we are, I believe, now ready to go. I am, of course, Attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense. Thank you. Thank you very much. Just a quick step here to make sure everything's working, and it looks like it is. All right, so what are we here to talk about today? Well, it's people behaving badly, of course. Uh, So we have a a video clip from the Atlanta airport where a young black woman starts throwing hands at two men, uh, one of whom is white, one of whom is black, uh, they're in an airport coffee shop, and at one point she's attempting to strike the men with a large metal chair. Ultimately, she hurls herself over the counter before stomping, finally stomping away. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, hands throwing. At one point, she gets thrown to the ground. Uh, the men are defending themselves against her attacks. Um, so the question arose when this was brought to my attention is, What's going on here from a use of force law perspective? Is this merely non-deadly force taking place? Is there deadly force taking place? Uh, Who might be justified in what degree of force? Let me see if I have the, the original tweet that brought this to my attention. And it looks like I do. So... So this was brought to my attention on Twitter, and uh, I'll share those tweets with you in just a moment. And uh, yeah, we are live, folks. Most of our shows are live. Um, The uh, recorded ones are, I mean, of course, once we're done with the live on YouTube, it stays as a recording. So I guess they're they're both live and recorded. Uh, For our Law Self-Defense members, it's streaming on their dashboard, uh, the member dashboard. That's where questions and comments can be posed, but only by our members. And uh, after the um, the live stream on the member dashboard, then a replay of the show goes on to the, the Law of Self-Defense blog. Again, limited to our members. But at the moment, I'm streaming live. All right. So I think with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and launch the formal start of today's show. All right, so we have this airport fight, and uh, this first came to my attention via Twitter. Uh, Somebody had posted up the video clip of the fight, and we're going to watch that in just a moment. Going crazy at the airport is wild, and the young woman in question certainly goes crazy. And this tweet was brought to my attention by uh, a pretty good follow account there, Fire Dog Lawyer, asks me thoughts on this one. Non-deadly encounter, supposedly, at the Atlanta airport. Guy in the red throws the unruly woman to the ground pretty hard, but she gets right back up and keeps coming. Do you think he has a proportionality problem here? Uh, Because at one time, he does throw her vigorously to the ground. Now, since this was brought to my attention, I have learned some new facts about this event, but I'm going to hold back on those for a moment. Uh, They do provide additional context and additional topics for us to discuss Uh, But first, I'd like to approach our analysis of this event 
without that additional information, then we'll fold it back in and see how that might change the analysis. Small differences in facts make for big differences in outcome. And before I forget, I should, of course, mention that today's show is sponsored by none other than Law of Self-Defense itself in the form of our best-selling book, Law of Self-Defense Principles, your handbook to being hard to convict if you're ever compelled to defend yourself, your family, or your property from criminal predation. Check it out on Amazon. It's five-star rated, bestseller in its category, but don't buy it on Amazon. They will charge you for the book and the shipping and handling. We only ask you to cover the cost of the shipping and handling. The $20 or $25 Amazon would charge for the book. We give you the book for free. Without that cost, you can get this at lawofselfdefense.com slash free book, or just scan that QR code there on the screen. All right, so let me pull up. Oh, before I jump in, I do want to mention we have, um, where is it? We have the next couple shows of the week scheduled. So for those of you who like to plan ahead, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow's show will cover this road rage incident. This video has also been on uh, Twitter. Uh, I actually first saw this video some time ago. I don't recall when. I thought I did a show on it then, but I can't find the show. So maybe I intended to and forgot uh, but we'll be covering this tomorrow. So guy walks up to another vehicle with a pistol in his hand, taps on the window with the muzzle of his pistol, and it ends poorly for him. So that's what we'll be analyzing tomorrow. And then on Friday, we're doing one of our Platinum member Q&A shows. So those people who are Law Self-Defense Platinum members have a very special Q&A form they can use to submit questions directly to me, and either I'll answer them privately if that's their preference, or they get added to the queue for our once a month, twice a month uh, Platinum Q&A shows. And we'll be doing one of those on on uh, on Friday. And to give you a sense of the questions we'll be addressing, I had them all listed out. Let's see. Here we go. So some of the questions we'll be addressing on Friday. Um, these are questions sent in by our platinum members. Does an attached garage or an enclosed porch count as part of my castle? How is curtilage defined and what does it do for me in terms of self-defense and defense of home? If burglary justifies deadly defensive force, what qualifies as burglary? How legally perilous is it to come to the defense of a stranger? What is, what is an unpublished court opinion? And why does it matter? What is the burden of production and who has it? How do I tactically manage being approached by a group of scary men? What happens if I shoot in lawful self-defense but hit an innocent bystander? Should self-defense instructors use a disclaimer when teaching about self-defense law? Just in case I ever need one, can you recommend a use of force consultant? Should you have your lawyer rather than yourself call 911? So those are all questions that we will be addressing on Friday's Platinum Q&A show. Oop, and I had a little picture for that too. 
So that's what the uh, thumbnail for Friday's show looks like. It, it's already scheduled on YouTube. Um, and of course, we'll put it in the rotation for our, our members as well. All right. So with that out of the way, let's take a look at this crazy video. Let's see if I can. Taken on a phone, of course, so it's kind of vertical in nature. Um, and I've already described more or less what we're going to see. So let's go ahead and jump right in. So that's the ruckus. That's the ruckus. Let's take a look at some of this. So what do we have? We have this. We join this ruckus. And there's, of course, there's stuff that happens before the camera's rolling. Right. And that lack of context creates a certain level of ambiguity. How do I make the? Oh. Yeah, sorry. Here, we'll go through it like this. So we entered the fight here. The ruckus here. And there's already the young woman's hands on. The guy in the red shirt's pushing her back. We don't know at this point uh, why they're ejecting her from the store. I had presumed she would be a um, uh, unruly customer. But yeah, I'll go ahead and play it larger. One more time. No, you can walk away. I'll get your fucking stuff. Get my stuff. bigger so we entered the fight here there's they're going hands-on they're shoving back and forth i had presumed that she was um perhaps an unruly customer 
was unhappy with the service or or maybe tried to take something and not pay. I, you know, I didn't know what started this, but clearly um, the people who work in the coffee shop are attempting to eject her. She's not allowed to be there. She's not there with the license anymore. She's effectively trespassing at this point, and she does not want to leave. So they're shoving back and forth. Are they allowed to use physical force, non-deadly physical force, to eject a trespasser? Sure. Sure. Um, is this non-deadly force? Uh, I would suggest it is here. They're shoving back and forth. Um, none of this is likely to inflict death or serious bodily injury. Who's justified in the use of non-deadly force? Well, if we're presuming she's an unruly customer and is being ejected from the premises of the store for reasons satisfactory to the property owner or the employees, um, she's not allowed to use force to stay. They're allowed to use force to eject her. So their use of force would be lawful, hers not. So if hers is not, then she's committing, what, simple, simple battery, simple assault, misdemeanor assault and battery in all this against both these gentlemen. Now she starts to go for the face. The blows are going higher. Is a strike to the face different than shoving someone in the chest? Yeah, it sure is. You have your eyes in your face. You have delicate tissues in your face. You're more likely to be bruised in an embarrassing way or maybe even a harmful way in the face. And that's true even if it's a smaller person like this striking at your face. Uh, could you make the argument that they're striking at your eyes? And that would qualify as eminent deadly force harm. Maybe, perhaps. What does she do next? Now she goes for the metal chair, big metal chair. She's swinging it up to shoulder height. And she's obviously intending to strike the two men with the chair. Is striking someone with a heavy metal chair? qualify as deadly force, force reasonably likely to cause death or serious bodily injury. It's certainly an impact weapon. It looks like it's pretty hefty, but, and this is where I wanted to touch on a different, a separate point. Part of self-defense is, of course, reasonableness. That's one of the five, five elements of self-defense, the element of reasonableness. Your perceptions, your decisions, your actions in self-defense have to be those of a reasonable and prudent person. And part of that calculation is going to be actual necessity. Was it really necessary for you to use this force in order to secure your safety or defend your property or whatever your underlying justification is? Because what, what the courts don't like is when it's obvious to the courts that it was not actually necessary for you to do this. And you're claiming, but I, I checked the required legal boxes. I have an argument to make. If it looks like a pretext, if your narrative of self-defense looks merely like a pretense for you to use force against that other person unnecessarily, that becomes a hard sell uh, in a court of law, especially if you've caused serious injury. Now here, the woman picks up the, uh, the metal chair. Uh, if someone my size were trying to hit me with that metal chair, I would absolutely consider that a deadly force attack. But here, the, the, the larger dude just, just takes the chair out of her hands. He's clearly not frightened of the chair. He's not frightened of her. He's especially larger than she is, of course. And he just puts the chair aside. Should he have used 
any more force than this. Could he have? I mean, physically, he could have just punched her in the face, right? And said, well, that's proportional to me getting hit with a heavy seat, with a heavy chair. But he didn't have to do that. He knew he didn't have to do that. He was confident he didn't have to do that. He just grabbed the chair and took it out of her hands. So one one caution I want to share with everyone is, you know, be cognizant of this. You should be using the least amount of defensive force consistent with your safety. And not any more than that. And that least amount may be zero. It may be zero. So if you can use zero force consistent with your safety, even if you would be privileged to use force, then I would encourage you to use zero. Use the least amount of force because the the more force you use, the greater the stakes go in terms of your legal liability. So I think this uh, gentleman did a nice job here of simply stripping her of the um, of the chair. Now, there's also a context in which using the least amount of force can be particularly important, and that is if you have some exceptional fighting ability that a normal person would not have. So, I don't know. You're a black belt to BJJ. Well, someone who's not a black belt in BJJ may be facing a particular kind of threat, maybe a stronger individual than them, a taller, larger individual than them, That, in theory, could justify the use of deadly defensive force. But if you have an exception fighting ability that negates that threat, if you bring your exceptional skills to bear, then a prosecutor might argue that, hey, we need to judge you not as someone who's unskilled in defending yourself, but someone who has a very high level of skill in defending yourself. And what would a reasonable and prudent person who's a black belt in BJJ have done under these circumstances? Right? Maybe not use deadly defensive force. Maybe just wrap the person up, turn them into a human pretzel. <clears throat> and again, in martial arts, there's a lot of techniques. I'll speak to BJJ, right? You can put someone in an arm bar and just hold them, control them. You can put a little pressure on and try to get some pain compliance. Or you can basically destroy their destroy their arm, destroy the elbow, destroy the shoulder. Um, each of those is appropriate in its own set of circumstances. And again, I would urge that you use the least amount of force consistent with your own safety. So now she's uh, got lost a chair. She's going back after the guy in the red shirt, right to the face, lots of blows to the face. And this is where he throws her. Now, could that be Deadly force. Deadly defensive force by the guy in the red shirt. Well, it turned out not to be, right? Because she bounces right back up. She's fine. But it wouldn't have to be much different to sure look like deadly force, right? If he had dumped her right on her head. Excuse me. If he had basically lifted her up and dumped her right on the head, could that readily cause serious bodily injury? On a hard surface? Sure, of course. So it's like when I talk about the use of impact weapons for self-defense. There's there's a very narrow and sometimes ambiguous line between the use of an impact weapon in a non-deadly force way, not likely to cause death or serious bodily injury, or a deadly force way, likely to cause death or serious bodily injury. And often this comes up with batons, right? We had a baton show just last week, I think. 
Um, if you're striking someone in the thigh, in the knee with a baton, uh, pretty good pain compliance technique, unlikely to cause death or serious bodily injury. But those so- same blows to the person's head would readily cause death or serious bodily injury. Well, what if you swing for the for the knee and they just bend over and you end up hitting them in the head unintentionally? Well, you would say that was an unintentional infliction of deadly force, an accident caused by their bending over. But remember, the people judging your use of force after the fact, they weren't there. They can't read your mind. They can only make reasonable inferences from the evidence available to them. And a prosecutor might well argue you know, that that blow to the head was intentional. They bent over and then you struck him in the head, knowing that you could inflict death or serious bodily injury. So this is, uh, yeah, this wouldn't have to be much different. Now, of course, fortunately for everyone involved, she's not seriously injured. She pops right back up. Striking now slaps this big black dude right across the face <laughs> and he really does nothing. He's doing everything he can to just deescalate the situation. She leaves, she comes back and does her football jump behind the counter. And importantly, we'll talk about this in just a moment. When she comes back out. Now it's hard to tell what's going on here. It looks at some point she picks up some kind of implement like a big spatula or or a pizza peel and uh, start swinging it around. Could that be deadly force? I mean, it depends on the nature of the object. She comes back out and slips, falls, gets up. And now she has, looks like a bag, a bag and a coat. All right. So let's get to the news article about this. A fight at an Atlanta airport coffee shop spiraled out of control. Getting fired is a tough break no matter how it goes down, but at this airport coffee shop, a woman took getting fired to a whole new level. Oh, so she worked there, and she just had her her employment terminated there. A video was posted today of a young woman in a coffee shop fighting violently with several of her coworkers trying to get behind the espresso bar despite their attempts at removing her from the building. According to police, the woman had been fired from her job on Saturday at Harvest and Grounds, a coffee shop at Hartsfield, Jackson, Atlanta International Airport. The reason for her firing appears to be because of an argument between her and a coworker over espresso shots. One of the employees, a woman has been identified as Shakuria Ellie, became quite upset, leading to her violent reaction, which was caught on video. The video begins with a man in a green shirt, presumably one of her co-workers, trying to push her back from the espresso bar as she struggles to fight against him. She then picks up a chair and tries to swing it at him before he takes it out of her hands. Soon after, she runs at another man in a red shirt with raised fists, trying and failing to get past him. He throws her violently onto the ground, at which point she jumps back on her feet and begins hitting him. At this point in the video, a man in the The man in the green shirt holds her arms from behind while she demands to be allowed to retrieve her belongings. So she had stuff behind the counter, that bag and that coat. She pulls her arms out of the hold and slaps the man. She then pretends to leave the store, then quickly runs and jumps over the counter toward the back of the cafe. It's not clearly visible what happens behind the bar, but the man in the red shirt can be seen holding her from behind and trying to push her out from behind the bar. This is the part where things escalate even further as the woman appears to try to hit the man in the red shirt with what seems to be a metal pan. The man then shouts at the people in the store. Somebody in the phone 
Somebody's on the phone with the police, right? After which a woman confirms that she has indeed called the cops. Ellie then grabs her bag and coat and proceeds to leave the store. According to the police report, Ellie was fired from her position and had her badge confiscated by airport security. She was gone by the time officers arrived. And at this time, no charges have been filed. Reactions to the video varied from those criticizing her to those defending her and questioning why she wasn't allowed to collect her belongings. While we don't know what went down before the video was taken, it's a shocking sight that is sure to stay with you long after. You think that coffee shop regrets hiring her? Think it might be difficult to get another job? I lost my cursor. There it is. All right, so she wanted to get her stuff from behind the counter, and they weren't letting her behind the counter. And that's why, presumably, that's why she got physical. She was trying to force her way behind the counter to get her stuff. So who's in the right under those circumstances? It is her stuff, right? But she's been fired. And let's presume she was fired for appropriate cause. Um, And just being insubordinate is appropriate cause for being fired from a job. So that's what happened, and they fired her. She's terminated. She no longer is present with license. She's a trespasser. She has to get off the property. That's her legal duty now to get off the property, and they're allowed to use non-deadly force to remove her from the property if she refuses to do so. What about her stuff? Isn't she allowed to have her stuff? And the answer is yes. But they're allowed to provide her, return her stuff, in a reasonable manner. She's not simply entitled to go into areas of the store that non-employees are not allowed to go into. If a customer wouldn't be allowed in, she's not allowed in. In fact, she's, she's not even allowed anywhere in the store, right? They've at least implicitly communicated that to her. She has to get out. Does that mean they can keep her stuff forever? Well, no, that, that would be stealing. But they're not required to let her go behind the counter to get her stuff now. They just have to provide some reasonable means for her to be reconnected with her stuff. By the way, could she simply have... The guy told her during the fight, by the way, he says, I'll get you your stuff, but you have to leave. Could she have stepped outside the store and waited a moment? See if someone brings her coat and bag? Could she have found some kind of law enforcement or security in the airport? And said, listen, had a fight with my boss. He fired me. That's fine. But I'd like to get my stuff back. Could you do that? Could you help me get that back? You think you think they would have kept her coat and her bag from her? They're not trying to convert that property to their own use permanently. But clearly, this is a bit of a hothead. She's not taking the firing well. And they don't want her present in the store for obvious reasons. Yeah, exactly. Someone in the comments says they can mail her her stuff. That would be a perfectly reasonable way to reconnect her with her stuff. Now, certainly if it were me, it would seem to me that connecting her with her stuff might encourage her to leave. I want her out of my store. So, yeah, I would I would have been more aggressive about connecting her with her stuff. To facilitate her departure instead of instead of doing all this. I mean, there were two of them. So it's not clear to me that the guy in the red shirt could not have grabbed her bag and coat and while the while the, the taller man was you know keeping her from going behind the counter. I understand why they don't want her behind the counter. No question about that. 
So what more is there to say about that? Yeah, poor emotional control. Maybe some poor judgment by the by the two dudes and and not just getting her her stuff. I'd like to hear from them why. I mean, you know, was she already being potentially dangerous? Let's see. She certainly was not at all uncomfortable in physically uh, fighting two men, uh, both larger and heavier than her. She had no qualms about that. Okay, let's see. I'm not sure I have much more to add about that. So now we're going to cover, we're going to transition into the uh, question and comment, the Q&A part of the show. But that is for Law of Self-Defense members only. The good news is it's dirt cheap to be a Law of Self-Defense member. You can try it out for two weeks or just 99 cents, folks, at lawofselfdefense.com slash trial for a two-week trial membership or scan that QR code on the screen. Or, oh, and by the way, after the two-week trial ends, it's still dirt cheap uh, to be a Law of Self-Defense member, to be able to participate in the Q&A segments of the show because we stop the live streams to YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter when we get to the Q&A portion of the show. After the two-week trial, it's only about 30 cents a day, less than $10 a month, folks, to be a Law Self-Defense member and get all your questions and comments addressed by me personally during the live stream. That's at lawofselfdefense.com slash trial. I mean, just try it out for 99 cents. How can you go wrong, honestly? All right, so with that said, I am going to say adieu to YouTube and Twitter. It's been fun. And rumble.